0: Let us pray. Speak to us, living God, as you have spoken to our ancestors, through the voices of your prophets, the breath of your spirit, and the life of your Son, so that we may live according to your word, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. So weeks ago, we heard God's words to David about God's plans to build more than an earthly temple through David's descendants. David's son Solomon does go on to build the temple, but the shining moment does not hold. One kingdom is divided in two, north and south. The Assyrians are now looming and will defeat the northern kingdom in a matter of years. The book of Jonah from which we read last week, arises from the northern kingdom. And now Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, meets us in Judah, the southern kingdom. In a few moments, we will hear that King Uzziah has died. Uzziah's reign was marked by relative independence and prosperity for Judah. He became king of Judah when he was 16 years old and reigned for about 52 years. He was the most prosperous king, besides Jehoshaphat, since the time of Solomon. His reign was successful, known for building up the military, impressive building operations, infrastructure improvements, and agricultural breakthroughs. His first prophet was Ezekiel, and according to him, Uzziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But pride and excess brought him down Uzziah entered the temple trying to offer his own sacrifices and burn his own incense on the altar and back then it was deadly for a king to meddle in the inner workings of God and so as my friend Becca says he was bum-rushed by 80 priests who tried to stop him but it was too late According to the historian Josephus, a huge earthquake shook the temple, and Uzziah broke out in leprosy on his forehead. He then had to live the rest of his life in a separate house while his son Jotham took over. He was buried in the field outside of the city rather than in the king's tomb in Jerusalem. His legacy was boiled down to to four words. He was a leper. Now, the death of any king tends to lead to anxiety, and Uzziah's death is no different. His death led to a time of chaos for Judah. The neighboring Assyrians who were seizing territory and kings who followed Uzziah would be unable to bring the kind of peace and prosperity that characterized the Uzziah years, which were probably remembered, as my friend Becca says, as the good old days. The nation now stands at a moment of transition. What comes next is yet unknown. Now I invite you to listen as I read from the sixth chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 through 8, from the Common English Bible. Together, let us listen for the word of God. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a high and exalted throne, the edges of his robe filling the temple. Winged creatures, a seraphim, were stationed around him. Each had six wings. With two, they veiled their faces, with two, their feet, and with two, they flew about. They shouted to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. The doorframe shook at the sound of their shouting, and the house was filled with smoke. I said, Mourn for me, I am ruined. I am a man with unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heavenly forces. Then one of the winged creatures flew to me, holding a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed and your sin is removed. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, I am here. Send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're now invited to pause and reflect silently on the text. Amen. So, this scene that Isaiah describes is stunning. He sees God up close or as close as he can. He actually only catches a glimpse of the hem of God's robe or God's skirts filling the temple. The scale is astounding. The temple, as you may recall, is huge. A human attempt to create a space worthy of the king of the universe. And yet, at least in Isaiah's encounter, this massive structure cannot even contain the edge, the hem of God's garment. Then there are seraphim, winged serpent-like creatures who fly around and sing or shout a refrain about God's holiness. Holy, 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 they echo back and forth to each other, much as you just did at the beginning of this service this morning as you sang the opening hymn wherever you are. Those familiar words were sung across time zones and zip codes, sharing God's praises Far beyond the walls of any one sanctuary. The word holy, of course, means set apart or other. The one holy God is majestic and far beyond anything or anyone we can even begin to imagine on our own. And the edge of God's skirts fills the temple, and God's glory floods the entire world. Isaiah responds, I am ruined. Or as another translation reads, I am undone. That word can, of course, be translated a number of ways. It can also be understood as struck speechless, which makes sense to me too. But at least right now, the thought of being undone hits home. Undone. Undone unglued at my wits end spent so many of us have referred to ourselves this way over the past many months the scaffolding of life as we knew it in february has been stripped away and we are left wondering how long it will be until it can be rebuilt there's a difference though a big difference even Many of us have felt undone by the virus and all that it continues to disrupt. Isaiah is undone by seeing God's majesty up close. So I don't see fine print all that well anymore. I'm tempted to bring whatever I'm trying to read closer, but the only thing that really helps is to pull back a bit or buy some stronger readers from Target. A change of perspective, a shift in how I look and what I choose to look at helps too. A friend recently posted the oddest and most beautiful image. It looks like something from Dr. Seuss with bright colors and intricate designs. And then I read her caption. She says, here is a tiny glimpse of the miracle that is you. And it turns out this image is an image of a human cell magnified an extraordinary number of times. And it was astoundingly beautiful, enough to take my breath away, enough to leave me speechless, undone even. A fleeting glimpse of God's glory on the tiniest of scales. In moments like that, I am reminded that God's glory does indeed fill the entire earth down to the last detail, but those moments are hard to come by these days. Depression, fear, anger, and mistrust blanket everything, it seems. People are dying, getting sick, and losing jobs, hopes, and dreams in breathtaking numbers. Now, I don't know many of the details of Isaiah's backstory, but I do know that the world around him was on the verge of coming apart as well. It is his encounter with the astounding glory of God that leads to his undoing and to his enthusiastic response when God asks for someone to serve as God's ambassador. There's difficult work ahead for the prophet, but after glimpsing the glory of God and after being assured that all the ways he falls short of God's glory have been burned away, he is remade, redone, and ready to do whatever the holy asks and to go wherever the holy sends him. Writer Anne Lamott wrote a book a few years back entitled, Help, Thanks, Wow! Wow! Three, the Three Essential Prayers. Now, I think I'm pretty good at asking God for help for me and for others. And I try to be faithful about expressing my gratitude to God by saying thanks. But I think I tend to neglect the wow part. Lamont ties wows to wonder. She says, wonder takes our breath away and makes room for new breath. That's why they call it Breathtaking, she says. Maybe this is what happens to Isaiah. His vision of God in the temple takes his breath away. And the first thing we do after having fully exhaled is to breathe in new air. It is almost as if Isaiah breathes in the breath of God and finds the strength and courage to say, send me even though he has no idea where that sending will take him. And it is this wow moment that will fuel his ministry because Isaiah will not find the courage to preach repentance or hope to exiles simply in the depth of his own passion. No, it is the wow of being invited into something larger, grander, and longer, being a partner in God's own dream for the world that will enable Isaiah and us, to step forward in faith. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I've had any grand holy visions of late. Or maybe I have. Lamont, you see, insists that I need to pay closer attention to shift or correct my vision a bit. She writes, gorgeous, amazing things come into our lives when we are paying attention. Mangoes, grand nieces, Bach, ponds. Astonishing material and revelation appear in our lives all the time, she says. Let it be, unto us so much is given. We just have to be open for business. The gift of Isaiah's vision is that it reminds me, and hopefully us, that God is still very much open for business in the midst of tumult and transitions. God's majesty still fills the earth, always has, always will. Now I struggle to see it and believe it when my eyes and my heart are so full of all the other things, when I am not entirely open for business myself, as Lamont would say. And I want to be clear, those things matter. They matter to me and they matter to God. The hurt, the hatred, the fear, the injustice, the meanness, the sadness, and the worry, they matter. They are just not all that matters. God is in his heaven even though all is not right with the world. And when I am undone by all the things, the great good news is that God is not done. God is still at work crafting intricate cells, glorious sunsets, reconciliation between enemies. God is still on the throne, bending a listening ear to every hurt and every hope, weeping with the brokenhearted and crying out for justice for the oppressed. God is still in the business of calling out for messengers like you and me who have witnessed even a fleeting glimpse of God's glory. Messengers who will testify to this God who is greater than we can imagine and closer to us than the air we breathe. Wow, indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.